Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Conceptio culpa nasce pena labor vita necesse morai. Or, conception is sin, birth is pain, life is toil, and death is inevitable. In Latin, my friends, welcome to episode 150 of Agitators Anonymous. Quite the milestone indeed. So I thought I would start off episode 150 with something cheery. This inscription is written under the memento mori, la humana fragilitia. Excuse my Latin pronunciations. I actually did Latin for one year in school, but it was 1989 or 1990. Human frailty by the Neapolitan artist Salvatore Rosa. Um, after, I think it was made in the 17th century. Let me look. Yes, Naples, 1655, when the Black Death claimed most of his family. So why should I not start episode 150 with something cheery, such as a memento mori? Well, we've had 150 episodes to get to this point, and the podcast still grows. For that, I thank you. Um, you can give the podcast a rating, a review, send it to someone you like, send it to someone you don't like, send it to someone you think it'll annoy them. That's no problem. That makes me equally as satisfied as if you're enjoying it yourself. It's been a long journey to get to this point. It's been almost five years, actually, since the last primordial album, Exile Amongst the Ruins. But we are now one week into the new album, as of yet untitled. It hasn't hit me like one of those Eureka Archimedes moments. I haven't been, um, what do they say? Sitting in the bath and the um, water flows out of the bathtub and the whatever the... Or making a mistake there, wasn't I? It wasn't about whether uh, Archimedes was in the bath and the displacement of water. It was something to do with um, he was trying to gauge whether a crown was made of gold or an alloy or something like that, of course, and the weight of the metal and what the water it displaced. Something like that, right? Yeah, I don't know. Answers in the comments. You've probably guessed it. Episode 150 is going to be full of some random uh, nonsense. 
The podcast is sponsored by MetalBlade.com. You can go to IndieMerch.com slash MetalBlade and use the promo code AA2023 and you can get 10% off your order. Shipping worldwide. And yes, you can get that 5, 10-inch um, box set of the last Primordial. They have a couple left there. You should go and take a look. Um, and if you want to follow the band on, over on Primordial underscore official, um, on Instagram, you can. There's some videos uh, going up of the recording here and there. Also, I would, I've planned to make this podcast into an actual video as well, as in reporting from the studio, and here's how we record this, and here's how we do this, and that, and the other. And I'm still planning to do this, but I'm recording this particular podcast a few days in advance, um, just in case um, I'm unable to record uh, before Friday. I'm also going to give you my patented, um, well, it's not really patented, but my exclusive um, what you do when you lose your voice on tour. My good friend KK from Destroyer 666 has been doing a bit too much shouting on tour right now, if you've caught them on tour, ripping it up across Europe. But my advice on what to do if you're out on tour or you're recording, if you've lost your voice, when hopefully it's not an omen of bad things to come and that I might have to use my own methodology in the coming days because it's about time to get down to some singing. So quite a few people enjoyed the last podcast, which was sort of like the um, the nerdisms, the nerdy stuff that goes into the recording um, on day one. So where do we stand after a week? Well... A week in a studio, I suppose, is theoretically something of a luxury or a privilege these days. Um, very often, when you've signed a contract with a label, you do two or three or four, sometimes, albums at once. You've probably um, heard about this within the music industry. This is how old bands used to get signed into huge, big, long contracts, five, six, seven, eight albums. But the standard is usually two or three albums. So... Sometimes for a band like Primordial, which takes two, three, even four years between albums and five, as we just talked about, even though I don't really count the two, two and a half years of um, lockdown as part of that, to me, Exile Amongst the Ruins is just less than three years old. But you can do your own arithmetic. Um, but what happens is then you may have been offered a particular contract for three albums, but the music industry can change quite a lot in 10 years. So I do understand that um, the prospect of spending over two weeks in a studio, as we are um, doing at the moment, isn't um, always an option open to most bands. And I think that the main thing to try and do if you are going to be doing recording at home um, is drums. I mean, that is if you are the kind of band who tries to opt for a real drum sound. Um, as you heard me talk about in day one of the studio, that's usually what day one is, just dog, 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 dog. Now, the particular engineer who's making this record brought over a very old drum kit. We've got some stuff from the early 70s. Big, wide bass drums if you want that open, boomy kind of sound. And what we're trying to do is... Um, and I'll try and get into this in some of the videos on YouTube, but what you're trying to do also is kind of room mic. You're trying to put room mics um, in uh, sort of rooms parallel to where the drums are um, to get a bit more of that open wide sound. The usual example that everyone uses is the Led Zeppelin example. But I mean, look, we can't all use Led Zeppelin as the uh, example for our drum sounds or else um, we would all have great drum sounds instead of um, clicky, horrible drum sounds. But that's the contagion of modern metal, if you ask me. That said, of course, Led Zeppelin is 
relatively beyond reach. So what's the difference between um, a day and a week in the studio? Well, the first couple of days, you're really trying to get those drums down. Now, for a band like Primordial, we have to do a little bit of writing in the studio. We're never that quite, we're never really that prepared. You're taking songs maybe 50, 60, 70% done, and you're sort of putting the big whiteboard at the end uh, on the wall, and you're sort of, you know, rubbing out... Um, rubbing out structures, you know, times four, times six, times whatever, and everybody's trying to stand in the room together and you have your headphones on so you're hearing everybody. Um, and you're sort of writing together or writing the structures together. But what you want to do then is while you are in the zone, so to speak, for want of a better term, you try and get the drums down. Now, normally with Pumano, we don't use, as I said, drum maps and tempos. We don't use a metronome. We just play. I think heavy metal should really be done like that. I, I mean, unless you're, you know you're struggling to get your tempos and all that kind of stuff as a drummer. I mean, of course, you can correct almost anything these days uh, in the studio, but promoting, we don't do that. So where are you situated one week in? Now, there has been rehearsal or there's been recording sessions I've been to where things start to go off the rails. Either a computer breaks down or um, I got once very, very sick. I probably told the story already um, on the podcast. I don't know. It could be 120 episodes ago. Who knows? But during Redemption at the Puritan's Hand, which is, what, 11 years ago, 12 years ago, something like that. Um, I got what must have been, I got what must be, looking back, swine flu. Um, I got more sick than I ever got in my entire life. Um, I came over to do some vocals on my own. And I would say that if you are going to do vocals, try and pick a day or two on your own. Vocals are a very subjective thing, and so doing them while everybody mills around the studio reading magazines or sitting behind the day, you know, the control desk, kind of going, oh, I don't know, could you do it like this or that? Um, sometimes it can be helpful maybe at the beginning of your career to have a little input, but at some stage you've got to go, you know what, everybody has to go out, trust me to do my job, and when you all come back in, let me know what you think about it, and don't take it personally if people go, eh, I don't think it should be like that at all. I remember trying to stand my ground over one particular song on the Gathering Wilderness, Failure's Burden, I think, and I made a meal out of it, and I stood my ground and fought to the bitter end about the take, and the next morning listened to it and went, yeah, you were all right. So you kind of you know, you've got there's a bit of give and take there, but you've got to sort of trust your instinct also, trust in the instinct as a musician that you're going to step up to the plate and try and be, at least for the singing, try and be well rested, try and be calm, but try and be energetic and up for it. If you're not a morning person, don't drag yourself into the studio at eight or nine or 10 in the morning. I'm not a man with um, an incredible work ethic, as you may have heard. Um, but what I will say is this, when it comes to vocals, two or three hours when you are absolutely in the zone, ready to go, you can kill or break the back of two, three, even four songs. There's been songs on albums that I've done in one take and listen back and gone, yeah, this sounds all right. Let's keep that. But it's important to try and be um, fit and up and ready for it. If you're not the morning person, you've got to start at 9 a.m. You're going to be wanting to go sleep on the couch at noon and nobody wants that from your... Um, from your fine selves. You've got to have some get up and go, some pep in your step, however you may fix that. So I'm pretty sure that if you're dealing with a record label now, I'm not pretty sure I know this for a fact, but if you're dealing with record labels now, very often the money they're offering is, you know, a quarter, a fifth of what things were because there just isn't the physical product to back it up as sales anymore. Um, you know, the money does come in differently for streams and you'll probably have a percentage of your streaming revenue um, fixed with, the, you know, with the, your contract with the label. It can be 20%, it could be 19%, but by and large these days most people are offering 50%. But of course that's 50% before it's divided between however many members, before your tax, etc. 
And, you know, a lot of the labels have different percentages worked out um, with the streaming platforms than if you, like if you were on a label that is a subdivision of, um, let's just say, for example, you're, um, I'm going to use the example, Mott the Hoople. Let's say you're Mott the Hoople and you're on Sony Records right now, a subdivision of Sony Records somewhere. Be sure that Sony Records have uh, worked out a different percentage rate of the streaming royalties than you will if you're uploading your music straight from TuneCore up to Spotify, for example. The big labels negotiated themselves a different piece of the pie to you. And mostly, this is not being passed down to musicians. So, having said all that, I will say that um, taking two weeks in a proper studio is a relatively privileged position. Now, I don't think that Promodial hasn't earned that. We, I think we certainly have. But I am aware that what I'm talking about, if you're uh, recording your first album or your demo now, you probably won't get the same privilege as that, um, the same opportunity, which sucks. Believe me, it sucks. But the music industry has sort of, it's the law of diminishing returns. Every time you return from the well, there seems to be less water in it. However, anyway, so you're on day two, you're on day three and um, by then you should really be getting into bass i would say the drums should be done within a day and a half two days very often once we have the song written simon will if he's in the zone which is let's be honest it's um all the time these days um he's fighting fit he's just in the zone and he kills it and we get one or two takes sometimes we do alternative takes um for maybe a different intro or something with a different floor tom of course if you're using computers you can cut and you know you can cut riffs up a bit you could do a riff four times instead of six um and you can take off two if you want now we try not to do things like that but it's very easy to do that if needs be or you just record an alternate intro you make sure there's enough drums there to play with and often we try and leave the drums up um, the temptation is to take them down and once they're taken down you're never going to set them back up and get the same miking techniques and all that kind of stuff so day two day three we start to get try and get down some bass um, you try and find your bass tone for this bass for this album and I'm probably going to try and do a little some little videos on this as well um, up on the YouTube channel before um, you know the album is finished but for this album, we are using um, an old Rickenbacker. It's not a 70s Rickenbacker. It's not exactly the Lemmy-style Rickenbacker, but it's the Rickenbacker that you will have seen um, Paul play on stage. Um, he got everything uh, reset up over by, um, you know, I've mentioned some neck, some neck guitars in Dublin. A great shop if you want to go to to check out old uh, vintage guitars, about the only one that's in the city, some neck guitars. Um, and they reset the whole instrument. They um, fixed a pickup. They fixed the intonation, all that kind of stuff. It's worth getting your instrument um, fixed up before you go into the studio. Um, now, why do we use... Um, we have then my own BC Rich. Well, it's a Ricoh 1979, um, old BC Rich style, uh, which has an sort of an it's a very hard attacking bass once you put on the active. Um, you use the battery driven uh, through the pickups or whatever the fuck that is. Um the Rickenbacker has its own kind of slightly dirtier, warmer tone. The, ba the BC Rich is more attack, but they're old guitars. Um, they're made slightly different to modern guitars. Now, personally, I don't, I wouldn't use modern. Um, I remember breaking a string in Glasgow playing with Dread Sovereign and somebody handed me what was like a child's bass, just this little flimsy carbon fibre bass. And it's just like, what is this? I mean, if you don't know that you fix your guitar strap to be like Lemmy or the Ramones, I can't help you. James Hetfield length, there we go. You don't play the bass with um, this sort of level 42 vibes going on. Um, I'm sorry, not for heavy metal. So get your stance right. 
get your tight jeans right. Uh-huh. Um, if you've got a mustache, then twirl that goddamn thing. Um, and what you want to try and do is we're using um, an old Ampeg cab, the huge fridge bases, and um, with an old Ampeg head. They're 80 to 81. We have my own um, orange head, which is like 1980. Orange is a bit warmer and a bit more simplistic to use, I think, than Ampeg, but Ampeg has got a weight to it, and that's what we're using. Um, I would recommend not putting too many pedals before the amp. If you want to add a little bit of, um, you know, a touch of reverb or something or delay or, God, somebody explain the difference between reverb and delay for me. Um, I'm sure if the engineer now is listening to this, pulling his non-existent hair out, but, or polishing his um, pate. But um, if you want to add a few little touches at the end, um, do it afterwards. Don't put too many pedals before the amp, before the mic, because you're not going to be able to take that off um, unless you reamp. Um, reamping is when you take the signal that you've recorded through your amp and you take that sound wave, basically that signal, and you just put it through a whole different other set of amps. Um, it's, I guess, it means you could record technically a totally clean guitar sound and then you could go into your computers on all your modern technology and go, I would like uh, this amp with this head. Now, I don't personally think that that's a great idea. I think what you should do is try and get great signal sounds at the beginning and not rely on fixing them. So we're going to use um, this old Rickenbacker. It's not in a 70s or even an 80s Rickenbacker. I think it's like early 90s. Now, we do have a bass distortion pedal at the moment. We're using this Battle Hammer. Um, but there's also a... Um, there was also a there was also a dark glass. Now I don't know if you know about these guys, but these are the kind of um, satanic Rolls Royce of bass pedals. They're about five hundred euro. Um, doesn't belong to any of us. It was just sort of lent to us, and now it's sitting on the floor. I'm looking at it, thinking I could steal this. Um, but it was the bass player of Oranzi Pazuzu who uh, told me about them. And goddamn, if he doesn't have an amazing tone. Um, yeah, dark glass, I think, are handmade out of Finland bass pedals. And they are kind of about as excellent as it gets. So for that, I would put the dark glass before, you know, you, you go into your amp and out to the mic, etc. A couple of things you'd make exceptions for, but I wouldn't make it too complicated. I don't think the BC Rich really needs it. I think you've got to drive it very much um, with the gain on the, um, the head. But for all those kind of nerdy people, I'm going to try and do a video about this. But I would use an old instrument. I wouldn't, you, you know, you're not going to get a huge earthy, bassy tone, in my opinion, off um, a child's instrument. So plenty of people have asked me to try and get Kieran to discuss um, his technique, um, his setup. Now, what happens um, once you've started to get your bass down, it's going down. You've got guide guitar. So Kieran is now going back on days three, four, five and six. It's a lot of guitar. But what we try and do is not to, as I said before, clog up the dynamic wave with too many frequencies. So if you put five or six or seven or eight layers of guitar um, and then wonder why you don't have that bass drum sound as from Led Zeppelin. That's the reason why, because you've, um, you know, you've clogged up the dynamic range with too many guitars. Personally, I think Hello Eights, Hanuman King, left, right, um, guitar lead in the middle, um, or even left of the middle or just right or left of center. Um, if it's two different guitar players, I could 
I could get into that, but you push them wide and you do your harmonies in the middle. I would say don't clog up the dynamic range with 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 layers of guitar. So at the moment, Kieran is layering his, um, you know, he's doing his left and right in guitar. But the difference is we're using a high watt, which is an old early 1970s amp. Again, I'll try and show you this on a video. And we're using the um, early Marshall so like I said, yeah, we're using this old high watt early 70s um, guitar cap. Now the JCM 800, which is the kind of classic metal Marshall head, uh, came out in like 80 or 81, but we're not using that now. I think it's the JCM 80 or whatever, something like this, 100. Look, don't kill me, I'm not the nerd guy, but I will film it. Um, it's the Marshall head that's before the JCM 800. So it's like 70s Marshall head. So we've got two of them up slightly different um, with, you know, five, six different mics um, on the guitar cabs. Um, and what you're trying to do is trying to get two different tones on either side. The temptation is to just run everything through. If you're doing two rhythm guitars, to do them all in the one go. But Kieran is using an old uh, Gibson SG. It's not a 70s SG. Uh, it's just, a, I think it was bought somewhere in the 90s. Standard Gibson SG. But he has a Studio Les Paul, um, you know, the, the, the heavy ones. He's got a Studio Les Paul, which most of the time um, just sits on his wall, I think. I, 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 miraculously enough, Promodio got a sponsorship from Gibson um, like 20-something years ago. I think it was by some chancer of an Irish metal guy who got a job in the promo department and sort of finagled his way into giving Promodial some um, half-price guitars. Uh, and then we never heard from them ever again because it's very rare that you would get um, sponsored by Gibson. But we got a few guitars out of it. So Kieran has those two. Now, the SG is just your standard Angus Young, um, Tony Iommi-style guitar. And they're just great, easy to play, good tone. The Les Paul is a bit different. It's got a, it's a bit more of a sort of richer dynamic tone. Um, I, at least to my ears, it sounds like it can be the aggress, slightly more aggressive tone of the two. Um, but you're trying to, you know, blend your different mics. You're trying to find a different tone, um, combination of tones. And what I would go for is one tone which is slightly more um, bass endy, slightly dirtier, but more rounded. And then the other tone on the other side, right and left, the other one has a little bit more attack. And you put them together with a hard bass tone, a heavy bass tone. I'm not into these, um, you know, just polite bass tones if we learn anything from Lemmy. Um, not my thing. So, Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Which is why, um, you know, the Dread Sovereign bass sound sounds like it sounds so horrendous as it does. Which technically I use um, a very old rat pedal. It's a Japanese um, vintage bass rat pedal. Um, anyway, in case you were that nerdy that you somehow wanted to know uh, what, um, you know, I'm a butcher with a rusty blade. Let's just say that. Anyway, so that's how you're trying to get your two different guitar tones. And again, um, when somebody is there playing the guitar and doing their stuff, I think it's a good idea to leave them zoned in with the engineer to not be like sitting around or going, oh, what about this bit? Maybe you could play this bit, that, the other. If you're not the guitar player, leave it. For the moment, because if somebody's you know in the zone and they're just getting their shit ready and they're flying through the takes, great. You could just be the spanner in the works at the wrong time. So try and find a place to go, something to do, a book to read or something or other to try and take yourself out of the studio and stop getting in everybody's way. Now, this particular studio we're using is in the mountains. Um, which it can be a pain in the arse to get to somewhere to, from, but it's free of the kind of temptations of when you record in the studio, um, in a studio in a city, which is, especially if it's a city you live in, where you just go, oh, I could just go home. And then you're just kind of, you're back in your own familiar, you're, you're out of the zone of the studio. It's very good to just be in the studio. It's also very good, I think, to teach yourself to be a bit bored, to kind of go, well, okay, I'm going to sit here and read my book or... And try and write lyrics or I'm just going to try and watch a movie and try and get into that studio headspace that you're there that you're not going oh I could just knock home and do this and that and the other and then before you know it you're sitting in the pub and or you're surrounded by your own stuff which I am actually now because I'm in my um, you know I'm in the place where I record the podcasts so I'm looking at all my stuff and all of a sudden you're taken away from the studio narrative but these these are the sacrifices I make for Agitators Anonymous so once you have rhythm guitars and that kind of thing down, you can start thinking about vocals. Now, for Primordial, we don't really have solos, but there's lots of harmonies on the guitar. Um, so what you're trying to do then is find the places where, um, you know, like after one bar, maybe in comes this harmony for a bar. You don't sing over that or you change the key you're singing in to go up to meet the harmony. Um these are things you kind of need to work out on the fly. Now, with the singing, I don't I'm not somebody who has everything rehearsed to the nth degree. Now, of course, some albums are different than others. Like I remember, say, Empire Falls, having this very well meticulously worked out. Yet other songs like On Exile Amongst the Ruins, Last Call, Sunken Lungs, for example, it's a bit of trial and error. You're sort of throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what works. Now, you need to have a patient engineer, but you also need to be patient with yourself when you're doing it and not get too stressed, not get too wound up, um, to be able to take a little bit of a break if things aren't going your way, but also trying to sort of keep the voice out of trouble. 
I mean, maybe you shouldn't be recording a podcast the night before, but trying to, um, you know, uh, keep quiet, keep focused and get ready for your day. And like I said, if you get three or four or five hours of great singing, that's more than that's way better than standing around for 10, 12, 14 hours going back and forth. I would say if you're getting caught up in a line, um, leave it, go on to the next one. Um, and then return to it because, you know, sometimes you can just be just like that broken robot just banging its head off the band, the brick wall, and you're not going to get anywhere. So you might as well just, you know, put it out of your head and move on to the next song. I'm not somebody who thinks that just keep going, keep going, keep going with the same line. It doesn't work. It just makes me annoyed, irritated. Um, and it just doesn't work. Now, if you are... Um, going to do backing vocals and you're layering up harmonies and you start to get your eye in, you know, like pitching a baseball and you start to go, oh, I'm hitting really, pitch. Well, I've never pitched a baseball. Um, whatever you're doing, taking a free kick and you're putting it in the stanchion or whatever in the top corner and you, you're getting your eye in for um, all of it, then keep going if you, and just keep recording more than you need because you'll find that you can go back and you can... Um, just get rid of the ones that you don't need. But if you've more than you need when you're in the mood, you can always go back and just, you know, handpick the best ones. But I would say this, I wouldn't overdo it. Some people take um, four, five, six, seven, eight different takes of the same verse. Then they're left with eight different choices and they're not sure where to go with each one. I wouldn't do that. Two to three at maximum. Two at maximum. Two great takes and with a slightly different tail at the end, great. If you give yourself eight choices for every line of every verse, when it comes to mixing, it's going to be a fucking nightmare. And you're going to be thinking to yourself, why the fuck have we got so many choices? And also, um, I think it's better to not give everyone else in the band eight different choices because the bass player will like a different thing to the drummer. And you're also you're mixing, uh, mixing vocals, which should, you know, it's not easy to get them to sit well and to get harmonies or to get backing vocals sitting well. But it's you're left with way too many choices and the engineer is, going, is, is then left to mix and match. And sometimes you can be left with a vocal, uh, like a verse that just doesn't sound like it flows because somebody's cut it up. So if you're singing, try and get a, try and go. I try and go. Um, if I'm in the mood, I'll do a whole song at once and then go back and listen through and filter out a few words and go, that doesn't sound right. But if a word hits on my Irish accent and I think it's, look, that's just how I sing. That's who I am. Then you just roll with it. You don't try and fix all those kind of things. But I will say, sometimes I try and put hard consonants like da, 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 da sounds next to the bass drum sometimes. It's if you listen to some old rainbow or something, listen to a man on the silver mountain or something or you know um long live rock and roll these are masterful um the flowing of the voice along with the bass drum and the bass itself and the hard and soft consonants and the hard and soft words that lead into uh, sentences if you really pay attention to it masterful this is something that some of the old blues guys chuck berry even um did as well and listen to back in the usa or whatever um and this is something you can learn from the old hard rock. You get it, you know, Halford does it as well, uh, which is the, it's an, it's illu the, the illusion of simplicity in that you are moving through notes. I, I kind of view it a bit like you're jumping from one riverbank to another. And for that moment where you're jumping across the river, you're kind of in no man's land. And so notes change underneath your voice and you land on the other side of the riverbank. And so primordial isn't necessarily about 
strict like thrash metal da 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 um joe who you've watched with me on the metal salvage chats from gamma bomb has been up doing backing vocals with gamma bomb actually today and i know that that's kind of their thing that's what they do very precise um backing vocals um now that's not really what primordial does because the riffs are kind of droney and you're moving across notes and you're landing on the other side but there is an element of precision about it and to make it um, seem, you know, well, not to make it seem, it just is, but it's your own particular style, um, obviously, and um, that you want to not curb. Like, I remember we did Last Call on the last Primordial album, and it was too precise, the singing, and I went in and undid it, so to speak, to make it more me. It just wasn't right that it was so precise. So you need to, of course, to... Um, allow your own character to flow out of it. But there's sometimes I've been there, you're correcting the lyrics as you're, literally as you're singing, removing as and does and buh, buh, you know, um, botheration. And you go, because my habit is to go, make this kind of noise into the first letter. Um, And that comes out when you're singing. So try and start with a different, like a different letter or a different vowel or whatever you want to say. Um, yes, total nerd stuff. I'm going to try and record a few videos when I'm up in the studio now of, I think, the three different voices. You've got your head voice, you've got your throat voice, and you've got your chest voice. And try and do a little, a few little, um, you know, just demonstrations of whatever random technique that is. Because I think people uh, might find that a bit interesting. So after about a week, um, you should have really good, really, you should have, I mean, you could listen, Black Sabbath did an album in three or four days or two or three days. Hail to England was done in like mixed and out the door in like four. So you can do an album in three or four or five days. You really can. Vermin a Serpent was recorded uh, in one day, twice, just all the way through, go. Now, of course, Primordial has the uh, luxury to take a little bit more time on it. But after a week, you know, you one thing you can you should never do in the studio is be complacent and think, oh, we're running ahead of time. Today we can just watch episodes of Alan Partridge and quote each other Alan Partridge. You know, maybe we should knock off early and go to the pub. You will find when you come to mixing at the end, you never have enough time. There's always a rush. If something doesn't work, whether it's the hard drive goes down one day or who knows, we're expecting terrible weather this weekend in Ireland with lots of snow. You never know. Something might, you know, fall off um, a tree and sever a this and that and the other. Um, you know, what do they call that? Um, force majeure, right? Yeah, I think that's the same phrase we use in English or somebody probably hasn't used it since 1977. Isn't it a Tangerine Dream album? Yeah, it probably is. Anyway, yeah, you know, act of God, so to say. Um, and that is something unforeseen might happen. So always try and be a day or two ahead to have one in the pocket, to have one in your pocket where you can go, OK, we can take a hit on this day and we can just um, not do anything if, you know, it's forced upon you. But you will find that you will always run out of time at the end, especially if you have thought you were coasting. I've been there. We've done it with Gathering Wilderness. Um Someday we'll find the first early mixes of Gathering Wilderness, which I think almost sound better than they do. The album did in the end. We're coasting. We thought we're we thought we're way ahead of the curve, and we turned out not to be as time ran out and uh, the weather again. Weather got terrible. I don't know why. I have memories of that. Seems to me every other album is a nightmare to make. So um, this particular album we are due we're making now is supposed to be um, plain sailing. Yes, indeed. But I would say that complacency and thinking you're out of the curve can end, can land you in some hot water at the end of um, your studio time. 
because, you know, you're going to if you're relying on yourself to fix things at the end, um, invariably you run out of time and you don't get to fix them. You don't get to dial in that reamped guitar tone like you thought. And you're left with the bad tone that you had at the start that you didn't take the time out to try and um, get in the beginning, you know. What else would I say? I would say it's very easy to eat shit food. It's very easy to drink every day because you're in this weird little bubble. It's very easy to just sit around grazing, especially if you're singing and stuff. That's how you end up feeling like shit and getting sick. Uh, for us, This morning, for example, I went running in the mountains um, just to clear your head for a couple of hours. Listen to the rehearsals of and, you know, go through, familiarize yourself with the songs. Um, but just sitting in the studio, just drinking cans. Ah, you know, you probably won't get the best result if that's what you're going to do. Or, you know, I'm um, fully receptive to the fact that if you are I'm going to make a Keith Richards of an album, you're going to be all in on all that kind of thing. Well, have at it, if so. Do all the drugs, do all the drinking. Just try and eat some cashew nuts and raisins and, you know, protein food as well on the side. I would say one more thing about recording, and that is, um, if you're if you have a very distorted, very heavy guitar sound... Remember that um, you don't need the same sound for recording as you do when you're playing live, when you need to cut through and there's an awful lot more noise and um, ambience and stuff. You maybe even don't necessarily need the same sound you have in rehearsal because all of a sudden you're getting to hear everything much clearer. So when you turn things up to 7, 8, 9, 10, you turn them up a bit louder on a really good stereo, um, you bring back the gain, I would say, on the guitars a little bit and it will sound heavier on a really good stereo when you turn it up. Um, you know, don't try and outdo yourself or t to fully map your um, rehearsal sound on, into the studio. I mean, take 80, 90% of it, but just consider that when it's mixed and when you hear it through speakers and everything else that sounds perfect, you won't have needed maybe quite such a gainy tone. Gainy tone, good DJ name. Um, good punk rock name as well. Either one, you can have it. Just uh, slip into my DMs and send me a, a 20 euro gift voucher. So I'm going to try and take a few videos over the next while. As I said, you can follow the band on Primordial underscore official. Some of them will go up there and I'll try and make some sort of a YouTube, um, ah, some kind of YouTube thing. If you don't follow me over on YouTube, it's just Alan Averill. The same old, the same old. But before we go, I'm going to um, give you my patented um, well, as I said, not patented. My recipe for if you lose your voice and you're on tour or you have to sing something or this, that and the other. Um, it, I will say it does help. Um, but first things first, when you are feeling a bit under pressure with the voice, I would say is stay quiet, like really stay quiet. Um, most of the time you get problems with your voice if you're up at night on tour shouting along to ACDC or especially shouting in a bar over music to other people. This can really fuck up your voice. You know, because you've had a few drinks and you want to go out and you want to fucking hang out. It happened to me a lot in my 20s and 30s. Not so much now as um, I'm a sort of... Well, we can say that I'm not the night owl that I used to be and certainly not as stupid and dumb as I used to be. Um, I mean, you know, still stupid, still dumb, but not as stupid and as dumb. But you will lose your voice if you're going to stay up shouting at people or especially in a bar over music. Um, so the first thing is to try and keep your voice is try and sleep a lot. Uh, drink a lot of water. Stay hydrated. Remember, tea is a diuretic. So is coffee. Won't help your voice much. I would avoid chocolate and dairy products as well, um, personally. But 
um, the the uh, tried and tested method for voice recovery. I will take a one pint glass. Um, I should really make another YouTube video of this, but take one pint glass, um, put three shots or so of bourbon in it. Um, if you can find cloves, um, then you, okay, you fill it up with hot water, then squeeze lemon into that, cut a lemon in two, squeeze that in there. Um, you can probably stick a lime in as well if you want to. Um, then you take honey, uh, manuka honey. I don't really know what's the difference between manuka honey and normal honey or where manuka is or what manuka is or who manuka is. I just know it's a bit more expensive. So maybe the placebo is spending a little bit more money. Um, it tricks the brain into thinking, well, it's I've spent more money. Of course, it's going to be worth more to my vocal cords. But you put some honey in there. And then the most important thing is you buy fresh ginger, cut it up into slices like crisps, and then you know, dice them up and crush them up as much as you can until they're own they're their own pulp. Um, and then you can either try and or you put the ginger into a kettle and you boil it. You boil it up, um, and so you have a big kind of reserve of ginger. Um, you know that can be used for throughout the tour. And then you put so you put that in to your pint glass, uh, swill it about. Um, so you've got a pint glass with bourbon, lemon, lime, cloves. Um, and honey, right? Um, did I forget something there? No, ginger. Yes, of course, in your ginger. And you drink it. And so what it does, partly as my good friend Frank from Morning Beloved, who is one of the best singers that I know, he just said to me, um, just have a drink before you go on and stop worrying. Now, for a, a warrior, a warrior like me, um, what it does is the whiskey will loosen you up a bit, but everything else there is designed to sort of warm the throat, to sort of, you know, um, give you a little bit of Dutch courage with the alcohol, but the gin ginger especially is very good for your voice. Then here's what I would do. I would take a shot of um, hot, salty water, because if you have a throat infection, um, then this is very good for getting rid of it. Hot, salty water or hot, salty Jägermeister, and you gargle it. Um, you can gargle it and do that two or three times um, and then repeat the whole thing. So you have another pint glass of the same shit. Um, and then you start to do this. And make the... Uh, make the kind of shapes with your mouth. This is, would be helpful if it was a video, but make the shapes with your mouth of the vowels. Ooh, ah, ee, ooh, ah. And just hum. Gently for like, if you can, for 10, 15, 20 minutes and try and do some stretches to um, open up your airwaves. If you've got like a brutal hangover or you've got blocked nasal passages or you just feel like shit, I really would recommend as a third party to those two, two of repeating that twice, I really would recommend getting Vicks, old school menthol, whatever it is, eucalyptus, eucalyptus, whatever that stuff is. You know what I mean, Vicks for opening your airways. Get a basin of boiling water and scoop Vicks into that goddamn basin and then put the towel over your head. And literally just fucking bake your head and your airwaves open with Vicks and you will find it will just clog out all the shit. Or you can get a Ness, uh, what do they call it? Nette, Nette pot, which is like um, a sort of thing you squeeze with salty water up your um, nose. It's not very comfortable, but it clears out all the gunk and shit in your nose. Um, Hank from Wild Heaven Wep used to do that when we were on tour and I was just watching him going, what are you doing? Then I started to do it myself and it helps. And if you have a routine where you can take a room for like 
an hour or two and sit down and have all these ingredients, do it, and the towel and the Vicks and hum and, you know, like mm, to yourself. And I always say when I if I've been on tour and I wake up the next day and I'm feeling bad, maybe sometimes you're sick. And it, as long as I can go, hmm, I know I can sing because hmm, you've something to work with there and try not to stress out too much. And the first songs of the set, um, I would say, um, if you have problems losing your voice on tour, get in-ears. They help um, in your monitor system. But the monitors, pair, pair back your guitar, as I said to KK. Bring your guitar down in the monitors um, so you're not as noisy. Have your vocal up and just hit the first song with 50, 60, 70%. If you haven't got your own front of house out there, prepare the front of house. Hey, push me for the first couple of songs and just don't quite give 100% and let the voice just warm into it. But also do your homo and try and do your stretching, your, you know, I do my kind of yoga style stretching and all that kind of stuff and you open your airways and, you know, the booze hits, he gives you a nice little a bit of Dutch courage, but all the other stuff, honey, ginger, warm. Try not to go outside if it's freezing cold and then back inside and outside and inside and outside. Don't do that, which is great if you're a singer. You can just say, I can't load in anything because it's cold outside. There you go. And don't talk to anybody, especially don't talk to strangers. My friends, episode 150 of Agitators Anonymous. I thank you for being with me um, on this journey to 150 goddamn episodes. More to come. Um, studio, one week in. 10th Primordial album, as of yet unnamed. Um, hit me up in the comments. Tell me what it should be called. Should we just call it Turn or Primordial? Anyway, over and out. Planet Satan. Agitators Anonymous. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 